What's going on, Renaissance? This is Jordan Rice, uh, pastor at Renaissance Church. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about confession. Uh, we're continuing our Built Strong series, and we're, looking, and we're looking at confession and its role in helping us to grow strong in our faith. Uh, we had a couple of technical difficulties yesterday in service and didn't get the recording from the actual service, so I am back in the lab uh, recording this one in the studio. So uh, if you have a Bible, turn to Numbers 5, 5 and 7. I'm going to read it for you guys right now. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel. When a man or woman commits any of the sins that people commit by breaking faith in the Lord, and that person realizes his guilt, he shall confess his sin that he has committed. And he will make full restitution for his wrong, adding a fifth to it and giving it to him whom he did the wrong. And the second scripture is James 5 and 16. And it says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now, one of the reasons I love living in Manhattan, uh, especially uptown, we live on a grid. And for people like me that are really bad at directions, it's amazing because I never get lost. But being directionally challenged means that I have to rely on a lot of uh, Google Maps and other people to tell me how to get to places that aren't on the grid of Manhattan, right? If somebody lives in 121st and 8th, it's pretty easy for me to get there by simple uh, arithmetic, not even that common core uh, math that's going around these days. But there have been times, especially when I'm in Brooklyn or some place that doesn't have the grid like uptown Manhattan, where somebody tells me to go uh, on a route or Google Maps sends me on a path that doesn't seem quite right. And even though they might be from there, um, I don't always have a lot of trust in them. And in the back of my mind, I'm wondering if the way that they're sending me is going to lead me to an alley to get robbed. Uh, and the same thing is true with Google Maps or whatever navigation system I use or you use in your phone. There are times when GPS wants to take me on a path that doesn't feel quite right. But in the end, to my surprise, I got there faster and better than I would have on my own. Now, today, as we navigate through the scripture, it might feel like like that a little bit for you. And we're going to be talking about something that might not feel like it's the right way for you to go. It may feel a little unnecessary, like an unnecessary turn. But as we'll see in scripture, uh, it's actually the only way to go. Now, I want to take you off of the grid of your lives a little bit today, down some turns and point us in a direction that I think will help us grow in our faith in a real tangible way. Uh, we've been in this series called Built Strong, and we're looking at this one phrase in scripture that we see pop up about a hundred times in the New Testament, one another. It's a phrase that Jesus and writers of the New Testament say over and over again. And here's why. Because they knew and Jesus knew that your walk with God uh, is personal, but it's never individual. And in order for us to be built strong and to live out the faith that God wants us to have, it has to kind of be in community. And today we're looking at this small phrase of one another, but in the scripture of James 5 and 16. And if you read over it too fast, you'll skip right over it without even noticing it. And it says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Confession. Because as we're going to see here today, genuine confession, genuine confession leads to genuine change. And that's what confession was given, us to, given to us for. And even though it might not be the most comfortable subject, having this as a rhythm in your life might be what's standing between you and growing in the faith. Now, I want to be really clear from the outset of this message. Uh, there's a really important difference between genuine change and the growth that can happen because of confession and us being forgiven by God. 
All of our shortcomings are forgiven by God and God alone. And that forgiveness is given to us because of what Jesus did on the cross. Nothing more, nothing less. We're not talking about something that you have to do to be forgiven by God. The gap is far too wide for you and I to make ourselves right with God. But we are talking about you being built strong in your faith and growing and not getting caught over and over again in negative patterns. Or if you allow me to use the word negative uh, sins or anything that can hold you back. Uh, And one of the things that God gives us to help us grow, uh, to help us in the process called sanctification of growing to be more and more like Jesus is confession and not just to God, but to each other. Now, it's interesting how little context James gives us around this subject. Uh, James was a pastor of a Christian church in Jerusalem, and Jerusalem was an extremely conservative city, even though it wasn't a Christian city. It was a city of uh, a lot of conservative religion, uh, of Judaism, a very traditional society. And James assumes that confession was used regularly in that church because the reference is so tiny. He doesn't spend a great deal of time explaining what it is. He doesn't spend a great deal of time uh, giving the historical context of why it has to be done. He just simply gives a fleeting uh, command to confess your sins one to another because he knew that they knew what he was talking about. Now, here's what James's readers would have understood him to mean. Uh, really quickly, I want to give you a couple of examples. Uh, in the Old Testament, when God um, delivered the nation of Israel from slavery in Egypt, uh, at, as soon as they got out of slavery, he gave them a system of laws uh, and of governance. Because while they were slaves, they didn't need any system on how to live as a people because they only had one job was to do whatever the master said to do. The master said make bricks. They had to make bricks. And it wasn't like they needed any system of governance. But as soon as they got out of slavery, the first thing that God did was give them a a system by which that they could live and thrive in. And we see this in Numbers, the scripture we read earlier. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel, the people that God had rescued, right? When a man or woman commits any of the sins that people commit by breaking faith with the Lord, and that person realizes his guilt, he shall confess the sin that he has committed. Now, here's what that means. It's if you do something against someone in in any way, it could be a verbal wrong. It could be a steal wrong. It could be a mistreatment wrong. Anybody who mistreats someone in any way or is unfaithful to the Lord in any way. Uh, and the 101 intro to confession is what <clears throat> James's readers would have understood him to say is that confess the sins that they've committed, not just to God. Right. Uh, depending on what type of way you were brought up, if you were brought up Catholic and you understand it to be confession to God and also to a priest in a box. Or if you didn't grow up in church at all, uh, confession might not have the, the same ring to it as what James's readers were understanding. But his readers would have understood it to mean that confession was not simply limited to uh, going into a box and talking to a priest or somebody like that. It wasn't simply limited to uh, saying that private prayer, but rather confession was something that was made uh, to other people. And goes on and says, he shall confess his sin in verse seven that he has committed and he will make and he will make a full restitution for his wrong, adding a fifth to it and giving it to him whom he did the wrong. And that's this living their faith and their mistakes publicly and that a public confession uh, was made for for what they did wrong. It doesn't stop with a private. I'm sorry. It was a mistake. I didn't mean to do anything between, uh, you know, I didn't mean to do that uh, to God, but rather. It was that if relationships were going to thrive like God wanted them to, and if we were going to have the peaceful society that God wanted them to have in the nation of Israel, then the confession had to be to be made not just to God, 
but to other people. So after that law was given in hundreds and hundreds of years later, Jesus appears and um, you see this law still on the books. And Jesus shows up one day and he's walking down the road. Uh, if you grew up in Sunday school or something like that, you would have heard of the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. Uh, Zacchaeus was a, was a tax collector. He was a crook. And the people he was collecting taxes for said, yeah, as long as we get our taxes, you can keep the rest. And tax collectors were some of the most hated people in uh, Jerusalem in that society. And they had Roman soldiers that went around with these tax collectors and they were just rich. They were traitors and everybody would have hated Zacchaeus. Everybody hated tax collectors because they were traitors. They were sinners. Now, in the New Testament, they would talk about sinners and tax collectors and tax collectors had their own category. That's how bad they were hated. Uh, the sinners didn't even want to be associated with tax collectors in that category. And you see one day Jesus is walking down this road and it was a huge crowd. And in order for Zacchaeus, who was a short dude, it tells us in scripture, in order for him to see Jesus, he had to climb up the sycamore tree. And when he climbed up the sycamore tree, Jesus noticed him and said, hey, Zacchaeus, come down tonight. I'm having dinner at your place. Now, as shocking as that was for people, for a religious figure like Jesus to be hanging out with uh, Zacchaeus, uh, the story takes a, a beautiful turn in Luke 19 and 8 after Zacchaeus has this real interaction with Jesus. After he has his heart changed from having met Jesus, the Christ, the son of God, this is what he says. Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I'll restore it fourfold. Now, what happened when Zacchaeus was in the presence of Jesus and realized uh, what was going on? He felt the need to come clean. He had this inner turmoil about tax collecting and the hardship he created for people. And he came to Jesus and was ready to make a change. In other words, he says, I'm going to confess, I'm going to own up to what I've done, and I'm going to make restitution. And listen to Jesus' response, verse nine, verse 9 of Luke 19. It says, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So James, uh, Jesus' younger brother, uh, and also uh, someone who was raised in a Jewish tradition uh, comes to this church in Jerusalem uh, and gives them this truth that I think is applicable for me and you. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, when you read this within the context of what James is saying and what James has lived, he's not uh, addressing a religious hierarchy. He's just saying, Christians, when you get together, when you gather in homes, open up your lives to each other. Open up your souls to each other. Open up that part of you to each other. You really don't want people to know because you're afraid of how they will respond. And by doing that, you'll let God's truth shine in there. Because you know what James knew, what many of us know from experience and what many of us had to learn the hard way, that secrets are like splinters. The longer they're there, the worse it gets. So confess one to another. That issue, that habit, that thing that's going on inside of you. That shouldn't just stop with you and God. It shouldn't just stop with the conversation of you and a priest uh, or, or something like that. That conversation, it needs to be opened up. Now, there's a story about a racehorse owner that had one of his horses hit a fence while practicing and started bleeding. And for weeks, they treated the wound with bandages. They put neosporin or whatever type of cream they put on uh, horses and it never healed. And finally, after a few weeks of trying to rebandage it, a vet found the source of the injury, a splinter. 
and the vet said that this horse this horse's leg is not going to heal no matter how much bandaging we do to it no matter how many creams we put on top of it the splinter has to be removed and once they removed it it started to heal now wounds that contain foreign bodies like wood or any other material will not heal until that material is removed and our souls are no different we have to get some stuff out of us we cannot keep it in and god gives us confession as the way of healing david says like this in psalm 32 for when i kept silent my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long for day and night your hand was heavy upon me my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer i acknowledged my sin to you and i did not cover my iniquity I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Now, the best thing to do with a splinter is to get it out. And the best thing to do with a secret and the best thing to do with a sin, an addiction or an issue in your life, the best thing to do with that sin that keeps happening over and over and over again is to confess it one to another. Because the bottom line of the, is this, genuine confession leads to genuine change. Now, let me be real personal for a second and hop off my high horse. Uh, I'm not talking about a one-time moment. Uh, we're talking about a rhythm of confession that you're in relationship with other people, uh, other Christians that you're confessing your faults to. Now, I, I have a good friend that I usually speak to every single Monday morning. Uh, and if he wanted to, um, we've known each other for about 15 years. Uh, if he wanted to, he can write a book, uh, a novel on my life uh, because I've invited him into that process. And uh, he knows what I struggled with 15 years ago. Uh, and some of those things I don't struggle with anymore. And he knows what I struggled with 10 years ago and five years ago and five minutes ago. And some of the, the biggest growth and biggest change that I've seen in my life has come as, a, as the direct result of confessing it to him. And being in that rhythm of opening up my heart and my soul and, and saying some stuff that I'd rather not anybody know about me. Now, there's a few reasons that confession doesn't come easily. And I'm speaking from personal experience on this one. Uh, let's keep it all the way live. Let's keep it 100 and acknowledge the 800 pound gorilla in the room, right? One of the reasons that confession doesn't come easily is because we fear that it would damage our image. If you confess, uh, we fear that it will damage our image. And I'll be honest, this is a real fear for me. Um, I don't know if you guys worried about it at all, but we fear that if we confess something to someone, an issue or a sin in our lives, that they would look at us differently from here on out. That if they knew what we struggled with, uh, this or that, that they looked down on us. And one of the reasons that James calls the Christian community to confess their faults to each other is because uh, vulnerability is a prerequisite for any real relationship. Now, I don't care what type of relationship it is, whether it's parents and kids, romantic, friendship or whatever. Without people actually being vulnerable, it won't be real. You can't be brothers with somebody that you're not vulnerable with and that they don't know the real you. You can't be sisters with somebody that doesn't know the real you. You can't have a thriving marriage with someone that doesn't know the real you. Bumps and warts and all. But for a lot of us, the fear that uh, our image will be damaged is, is a very real one. And it's the, probably the biggest reason why we don't regularly engage in this rhythm of confession. Now, that leads in some parts to the second uh, reason that confession is so difficult for us is because we don't necessarily see the value in confession. I don't know that we have realized the value in it. And we don't confess because we don't see the value in it. Now, anybody who's listening to this that has uh, gone through AA um, or 
Narcotics Anonymous or anything like that, any one of these programs, here's what you know that a lot of us haven't figured out yet, is that there are habits and there are addictions and there are sin patterns that you can't break just by telling God about it. And it's not because something's wrong with God. Uh, God is not the problem in this scenario. And it's not because there's something wrong with you. It's because God put you in a body and God connected you to people and God has connected you to relationships. And the, and the people and the advice and the strength that you need is available. But to get it, you've got to open up to, to somebody besides God in secret. Now, there are habits and addictions that have never been broken by simply willpower as people have struggled on their own. That if you talk to people, a lot of people, myself included, the change came. The genuine change came when that confession uh, came first. And genuine confession led to genuine change when people opened up their souls and confessed to some real life people. Now, I know what the tension is. I don't live in a fantasy world either. But the tension is we live in a world where we are afraid of the consequences of what people will think of us, what it will do to our image if people know the real us. But you know what's even worse than the, the consequence of confession? The consequence of hiding. The consequence of concealment. Now, let me tell you who worries about their image more than breaking free of something. Uh, the people who have yet to experience the full-blown consequences of hiding. Because ultimately, the consequences of hiding are way worse than the consequences of confession. Because I know this to be uh, true firsthand in my life and in, in counseling so many other people. Listen, secrets grow and they get stronger and they get darker and they begin to impact all of your relationships. And you carry certain secrets from chapter to chapter in your life, stage to stage. And the consequences grow and they grow and they grow and they grow. And people hold on to things that start out small and eventually it grows so large it leads to a collapse. But confession, whenever you confess, those consequences are immediate and they're local. Now, the last reason confession is hard because it's hard to trust people with difficult truths about yourselves. It's hard to trust people with difficult truths about yourselves. Now, I'm not advocating that you walk up to a random stranger on the street, stop them on the platform of the subway and just start confessing all of the issues in your life. Uh, that would be really weird. So don't do that. Uh, but. Uh, one of the reasons that, that we at Renaissance and other churches have community groups uh, and things like that are so that you could be plugged into a community of people that you could grow in trust. And eventually those people could be people that you would share life with and it could be trusted sources to handle your issues, to handle the things that need to be confessed. Now, I know community groups and DNA groups and all the things that we do are, are difficult sometimes. I know that some nights you'd rather just kick up your feet and watch a game and sit on the couch. And I know that sometimes, especially when the weather turns and it's cold, you just want to go home and, and take a nap. But the investment uh, of putting your desires aside to invest intentionally over and over and over again in the lives of other people will yield relationships. And some of these people, not everybody in the group, some of these people are the very people that you will uh, be able to open up your life with and they'll become trusted sources. Now, I, I don't know uh, you specifically, but, in, you know, there are also other people in our lives. It could be a spouse, certainly your parents, your sister, one of the pastors. But we all need trusted sources of people that we can live our lives with. Now, having said all of that, James still lets us know that we should confess our sins to each other. And here's why. James is letting us know that confession serves as a first step towards something different in your life. 
And walking into the promise of what could be in your life means leaving the comfort of what is. Walking into the promise of what could be in your life, the growth that you want, means leaving the comfort of where you are. And the comfort of no one knowing the real you, that has to go. And here's a few things that will happen when confession becomes a rhythm in your life. Number one, uh, confession prevents us from becoming hardened. Confession prevents, prevents us from becoming hardened. Now, confession breaks the cycle of whatever it is that's holding you back from going on and on and on undetected. Uh, years ago, I've told the story when my brother was young. He stole something from the library, and as soon as my mother found out, she did a U-turn and gave him the punishment that he hated. Instead of giving him a spanking or taking away one of his toys, she made him go back and confess to the librarian what he had did, what he did. And he had snot bubbles coming out of his nose, and he hated it. But it was needed from it was needed for him uh, to stop it from becoming a pattern in his life. And us having to own up to our shortcomings allow us to see the danger of them. Because unless we have to verbalize some things and get it out on the open, hey, we have this really amazing way of minimizing issues in our own lives, but maximizing issues and blowing up issues in other people's lives. Uh, when we lie, for example, uh, it's a small thing like, oh, yeah, you know, I didn't feel like getting into a long, drawn out conversation. So I just said this thing at work. It's not that big of a deal. Should I have lied? Probably not. But it's not that big of a deal. But when somebody lies to us, it's the end of the world. Right. How dare they look me right in the black of my eye, right in my face and lie. I can't believe them. They are something else. Now, the reason we do that is because we all have this tendency to minimize what's going on in us and to blow up and out of proportion what happens to us by other people. And confession breaks the cycle of us having to uh, breaks the cycle and the, the natural tendency that we have to minimize what's going on in our lives. And it prevents us from becoming hardened. Hebrews 3 and 13 says to encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may become hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And here's what the, the writer of Hebrews is getting at. He's saying that sin has a particular way of hardening you. And oftentimes uh, we can't even see it. So we need other people to encourage us so that we will not become hardened by those sins, those issues that are going on in our lives. And here's such a, a profound but very true statement. Nobody can encourage you about stuff that they don't know about. Nobody can encourage you to, to move forward in a certain area. Nobody can encourage you in your marriage or to be a person of integrity at work, to do exactly what you said you're going to be doing, to, to uh, not visit certain websites on your computer if you're struggling with uh, pornography. And nobody can encourage you from becoming hardened if they don't know what's going on in your life. So God gives us confession as a part of the prescription uh, to grow. And the scriptural prescription we have for growth includes confession to others. Now, if you've ever been to a doctor for an infection like bronchitis or something, uh, oftentimes they'll give you uh, antibiotics. And a lot of times those antibiotics have a seven or a 10 or a 14 day course. And here's something that the doctors always tell you. They tell you, even if you start to feel better by day three, take the entire round of prescriptions. Do not stop when you start to feel better and just, uh, you know, say, well, I'm, since I'm feeling better, I must be doing better. They tell you to take the entire course of treatment so that that thing inside of you is killed completely. And here's why. One of the worst things you can do is, is to not take the entire course of treatment because only the bacteria will still be alive and it will grow resistant to the medicine because you haven't fully killed it yet. 
And even though um, in our lives, the, the consequences of sin are broken um, and forgiven by, by God in Jesus Christ, the power of sin in our lives, the power of sin is not broken because we haven't sometimes gone the full distance of um, with the entire treatment and confessing our, our sins, confessing these habits, these negative patterns in our life is the prescription that we see today in scripture. And not to stop when we feel better by telling God that we're sorry. And not to stop when we feel uh, better by, you know, going to a church and having a, an emotional experience, but to go the full distance and to carry on the entire prescription. Because if not, we run the risk of becoming hardened to that sin. Now, secondly, uh, confession the second benefit that we have that we see uh, in life and in scripture is that a confession creates accountability for our actions. Now, telling someone else what you're struggling with or areas you need to grow builds in protection because it makes us have to confront behavior that's not in line with the gospel. Now, having this accountability uh, is one of the best ways that we can see growth in our life. Now, whether it's you want to get in shape or you want to get out of debt, or you want to save money, or, or you want to take a vacation, or you want to uh, you know, be a better spouse, uh, no matter what your goal is, I guarantee you um, in life that you will get there stronger and faster and better with accountability in your life than you will by yourself. We've said it before, and it bears repetition. Our walk with God is personal, but it is never individual. Now, I have a really good friend of, of mine that knows... Um, you know, he and I are in a regular rhythm of confession to each other and he knows the things that are going on in my life. And I know I have a check-in call with him uh, Monday mornings and Monday morning, he's going to ask me about certain things. And even sometimes when I'm not strong enough on my own, uh, even when I'm not feeling particularly holy on my own to, to, to do my readings or whatever the case is, I know that that check-in call is going to happen on Monday morning. And sometimes that alone is a motivation for me to do it. Um, and I get a lot more stuff done that way. And for a lot of us, uh, the reason that we're struggling with certain things is because we don't have any accountability for our actions. If you knew that there was someone that was going to ask you tomorrow morning about your integrity at work and whether you're actually doing what you say you're doing with your time instead of watching Netflix or your sexual purity or how you talk to your children or integrity with how you handle alcohol, I bet that would help you stay away from some things. Now, confession is not the silver bullet. It doesn't fix and cure everything. But confession creates accountability. And accountability in every single area in your life helps you grow. And the third thing, and probably my favorite, is that confession reminds us that we need a savior. There's an old adage that says, confession is good for the soul, but bad for the reputation. And it's said like that because in order to gain the benefits of confession, you're going to have to put yourself out there a little bit, a little bit. And in putting yourself out there, it's often that and by that very act, we're reminded that we need a savior, that we, there is something inside of us uh, that we can finally verbalize and vocalize and, and put it out there that, that we need something outside of us to help us and to save and to save us. And it's putting ourselves out there that we're reminded of the essence of Christianity. Listen, Christianity, your walk with Jesus is not about you being better than other people. Your walk with God is not about uh, you being the best person that has ever lived and you've gotten it all figured out. No, the essence of the gospel, the essence of Christianity is that it's one beggar telling another beggar where they found bread. And it's not that you've gotten it all fixed, figured out on your own, but there is someone outside of you that can save you. And when we put these things out in confession to other people where we are 
uh, acknowledging the fact that it is by grace alone and faith alone in Jesus that we are saved, um, that the work of the cross is enough. And we don't have to rely on ourselves. We don't have to rely on our image. We don't have to rely on any of the things that we that can hold us back from confession. But we, we can rely solely and 100% on Jesus. Because the gospel message isn't that God came to help people that were 75% there. And they just needed a little boost. No, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. The lost. People that had nothing, that they had no way of getting back on their own. And that's the scriptural um, description of me and you. And God doesn't just give a little grace to people who need a little boost. No, grace is all that God does. Years ago, um, against the wishes of my parents, uh, I'm sure, I went skydiving. And it's funny, um, I watched the skydiving video with my mother in the kitchen um, days after I had gone skydiving. And she was watching the video of me skydiving, nervous. And I'm like, Mom, right here next to you. Clearly, the story ends well with you, <laughs> with me coming back home safe. And while I was skydiving, um, I didn't have um, enough certification or training, so I had to jump tandem. I had to jump uh, tethered to uh, someone else, a, a certified instructor. And let me tell you, I have never been more happy to have another man strapped to my back than when we were 15,000 feet in the air, ready to jump. And I'll never forget it. It was actually a very special moment that we shared. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, but I knew that this guy had 10,000 successful jumps under his belt. And he had the skill and he had the training and he had the ability to make sure that we made it to the ground alive. And I didn't complain when they strapped me to him because I knew I needed help and I could not make it on my own. Now, scripture tells us a familiar account that Jesus came uh, because this world and the daunting task of landing safely is too much for any one of us to do alone. It's not a preference for us to add Jesus. It's our only shot. Listen to how Paul describes it in Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Listen, confession reminds us that you and I, we need a savior. And we can lean on the, on the God that has saved us through grace and faith in him and him alone. And that this thing that we need, the growth that we need, the, the, the healing that we need, it's not our own doing. It's the gift of God. And confession helps us to not rely on ourselves, but to rely on him. So here's what I want you to do as a result today. I want you to do a couple of things. I want you to determine what it is that you need to confess. Now, oftentimes, as soon as we raise a topic of confession, it's usually the thing that made your, your stomach sink in the beginning. Um, that's the thing that you probably need to confess. Now, it doesn't have to be a huge thing. The smaller, the better, actually. Uh, to confess something while it's small is actually the best time to do it. And certainly big things also. And again, we're not talking about a one-time um, intervention style confession session, but to, to encourage you to be in the rhythm of confession. So the second thing after you determine what you need to confess is to determine who you can trust. Who are these brothers? Who are these sisters? Who are these people that you can invite into your life, invite into your journey and be honest about who you are, that they could know the real you and you could be vulnerable. And lastly, I want you to do it. I want you to go out and I want you to confess. 
And again, this is not a one-time intervention style of, of confession, but listen, there will never be an amazing time for you to confess. Don't wait for somebody else to confess to you something and then you say, oh, you know what? I struggle with that too. Be the person. Uh, go out right now. Um, determine in your mind that you're going to do it because it's not going to come on its own. There's a story of a pastor who uh, had an affair for years um, and the church was thriving and the church was growing. And finally, after years and years of the affair, everything came out. And some of the members and his spouse were so angry. He said, man, how did you keep on preaching every single Sunday? And you knew that you were having an affair. You knew that you were living wrong. Uh, I just don't understand how you were doing it. And he said every single Saturday night when he was getting ready to prepare to preach, he would tell himself that Monday morning he was going to confess. Every, every Saturday night, Monday morning I'm going to confess. I'm going to come clean. And he believed it. And uh, every single Monday morning he would not confess and the same thing would happen over and over and over again. Listen, it's entirely possible and it's ridiculously easy for us to go throughout our lives postponing it for another Monday morning. Monday morning I'm going to do this. Next week I'm going to do this. Next week I'm going to do this and to put it off. But the scripture gives us this, this prescription and that if we want to be built strong and grow in our faith, we have to engage in this rhythm and guess what? We're never going to find an amazing time to do it. So I want to encourage you to, uh, to think about what you're putting your hope in. What are you putting your, your, your faith in? What are you uh, staking your claim? Is it on your reputation, on how people think of you? Uh, what do you think is actually the thing that makes you and God good? Whose opinion of you matters the most? I want to encourage you to today to redirect your attention and your perspective to the opinion of the one that matters the most. Uh, the one, Jesus Christ, that loved you so much while we were... Yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for the ungodly, uh, the one that went to the cross for you. And his hands, the ones with holes in them, are the ones that are bidding us to come and to confess, to come clean, to not hide, to not live in the shadows, to not uh, live on our own, but to be a people that are committed to each other and to God. And by doing this is where we'll see the real freedom, where we will see the real growth come. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for man, the hearts and, and of everyone at Renaissance and listening to these podcasts. Uh, Father, I pray that you would continue to impress on our hearts. God, give us the courage and the boldness to, to be a type of people that are not worried about our image, but God, that we cling to you and your love for us and that that is the thing that gives us our primary identity. God, help us to be rooted in you. God, introduce us to a people um, that we can trust with difficult truths about ourselves. Father, have mercy on us. Um, God, show us. God, help us to feel how much you truly love us. And God, we don't have to do anything to earn your love, but it's already given to us. God bless us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.